Welcome back to Nach Yomi. Today we're going to be learning the 11th chapter, Perik Yud Aleph in Sefer Yehoshua. This Perik is really essentially the last major battle that we're going to learn about. And it happens in the wake of what already occurred. We know that there was a battle against a number of uh, allies. There was the peace with Givon. And finally, everybody rallies together. So Yovin, who is the king of Chatzor, brings together an alliance with the king of Madon and Shomron and Achshof and the north and the south. And he gathers together a whole army of Emorites, Chittites, Prizites and um, Jebusites, right? So, and even the Chivi. He really brings together a great conglomeration, a syndicate to fight against Israel. And um, it talks about how they had soldiers and chariots and cavalry beyond counting. So we talk about a really large army. This is the first time people have really banded together to these great numbers, not just five kings like we saw in the last parak. So Hashem turns to Yoshua and says, Don't worry, I, uh, today I'm going to give them in your hands, and a battle ensues. And uh, in fact, Yoshua does conquer all of them, and <clears throat> they, call, they, they chase them, they pursue them, they capture them, and like Hashem says, they kill the people, they kill the soldiers, and they are uh, the, what's called a ma'aker, the horses. That means to say they hamstring the horses so they're unusable and they destroy their chariots. This is going to be just a fascinating footnote for future is to think about why is they destroy military equipment rather than reutilize it for their own purposes. That's an interesting question why that was the case. Nonetheless, Yoshua then goes on to destroy Chatzor. Chatzor was the city of Yovin. Yovin was the man who pulled together this whole conglomeration and... Um, Therefore, they destroy it, kill everybody, and burn the entire town down. Um, as Hashem commanded, um, Moshe Ever Hashem commanded Yoshua, and it talks about how they destroy the rest of the cities. They didn't burn the rest of them down. It was only Chatzor to make an example of what he did, because pulling together such a war effort against Israel. But nonetheless, um, the, um, the rest of the cities, everybody is killed in. And the Perik goes out of its way to really emphasize that all of this is Kasher Tzivo Moshe Ever Hashem, as Moshe commanded, Moshe the servant of God commanded. In fact, it says that Yoshua did not leave out any detail of this entire process at all. Um, and it talks about all the great lands and conquests in the north and the south, in the Shvela and the Arava, across the country, which succeeded, Yoshua succeeded in conquering. Um, and um, it, it talks about how Yoshua spent a rather long time doing this conquest. And finally, the, the Perak concludes with a, with a very interesting statement. It says, No country or no city made peace with Israel except for the Givonites we met in the ninth Perak. Rather, all of them went to war and all of them were killed um, uh, because Hashem wanted them to make that bad choice and not taking peace and they therefore fought against Israel. So there's two things we'd like to just ponder when thinking about this parak. Number one is, what's this peace business? Meaning, we haven't heard about peace up to now, except for the Givonites who made this false pretense and this, uh, this, uh, you know, um, this strange deal. What's this peace business? Are we supposed to ask for peace? Are we not supposed to ask for peace? How does that work? Um, so, <clears throat> in this topic, it actually is a, a matter of debate. If you go to Devarim Perak Chof, starting from Pasuk Yud, the Torah talks about that when you come to a city, you need the karasa eleha l'shalom. You need to first ask for peace. And what are the conditions for peace? The, that nation needs to become slaves and accept the mitzvahs of B'nai Noach. So they need to be subservient to, uh, and monotheistic to God, and they now become a subservient tax-paying nation to Israel. That's if they accept the terms of peace. If not, they're killed. 
Um, and uh, then, the, then it says that in the continuing part of this paragraph that you shall kill everybody, all the, all the seven nations of Israel. So how does it work out? Are we supposed to ask for peace or not? Happens to be a matter of debate. Rashi says it makes a difference whether or not they are proximate or not. If they're proximate, one, uh, if the, the people are quite close, then a person needs to destroy them without peace. And when they when they are further away, then there's no then one can ask for peace. The reason being, Rashi explains, is if they're proximate, if they're neighbors in the close proximity of the land of Canaan, they're likely to be an inf influence, and therefore need to be wiped out to avoid any influence on the culture, as we see it happens in Sefer Shoftim. Um, the Ram, uh, whereas the Rambam and the Ramban say that uh, when they're looking at the snow. Their peace is a requirement for all nations. If they don't agree with the peace, then they can be destroyed. Happens to be a matter of debate. So what happens in Sefer Yoshua? Um, it seems like, depending which way we read it, um, it, there is a debate as to whether the nations, or the seven nations, those who are proximate, get the affordance of being asked for peace or not. Do they get that option or not? Rashi would say, no, they had to be completely destroyed because they will actually be a thorn in your sides for all eternity. And in fact, that's why you see that Tanakh is silent about them asking for peace besides the given out to make this pretext. Whereas Rambam and the Ramban says, no, no, Yeshua actually really did ask for peace. He sent out a letter, and what this pasuk is telling us over here is that nobody accepted that. No one wanted to make peace, and that was God's way of making it that they should actually fight and lose the battle because really they, if they knew what they were doing and they thought carefully about it and they saw the miracles which happened, they should have just signed along that dotted line and they would have lived a much better life. Nonetheless, they don't seem to offer this, uh, this peace. One last point to ponder and we'll, we'll leave. You know, I was discussing with a few people about, you know, the Tanakh we've been learning over the weekend. And um, people, you know, say this is a really gory kind of t part of our history, you know, like meaning here we are, you know, the, the, doing the Torah emphasize, the Tanakh emphasizes that Yeshua did exactly as Moshe did numerous times in this parakel. What was that? To wipe out every man, woman and child, to burn down cities. I mean, like, is this, is this who we are? You know, we, we look at the news today, we see that going on in certain countries. We, we say that, that we're horrified. How, how does this work? So Rav Hirsch has a very fascinating comment, and with this we'll close today. Um, Rav Hirsch is a comment which is to be found in Dvarim Perig Zayin, um, Tezayin. He says the following, and I quote, The repeated admonitions, not to have any mercy on the Canaanite population, shows how much how such a merciless procedure goes against the grain to the Jewish people, and it is against and is against what they are meant to be, which is to remain the predilection to protect all living creatures. They are to regard this merciless procedure against the Canaanite population as an exception, expressly commanded by God to be done at His bidding because of special circumstances. Meaning. This is the complete exception to everything we stand for. There's a certain reason Hashem wants us to wipe these people out. Their, their time has ended. Our time has begun in the land of Israel. They're going to be bad if we leave them as they were, but when we did leave them, as we'll see soon. But nonetheless, this is the exception to the rule. And the reason why the Torah has to emphasize kill, kill, kill is because this is the only time the Torah says kill, kill, kill. The rest of our existence is harmonious. The rest of our existence is coexistence, but not when it comes to the seven nation, uh, nations of Israel. Just a different way of looking at this, a different perspective. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.